0: This week on Book Pile Banter, Amberly, Sarah, and Kim discuss Crooked Kingdom, and we learn that not all love stories involve kissing and sex.
1: Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberlee with Sarah and Kim. Today we are going to discuss Crooked Kingdom, which is the second book in the duology for Six of Crows. It is by Lee Bardugo. It was published in 2016. 2016. By Henry Holt and Company. It is a young adult fantasy for ages 12 to 18, grade 7 and up. And as a brief little plot... The crows must face the consequences of their choices from the previous book, Six of Crows. They are in hiding as they figure out how to get their money from Jan Van Eck, which, of course, can only be done by kidnapping, bribing, and tricking the entirety of Ketterdam in the process. It's going to be another one of those days where I just can't say things.
0: So I just this moment... Mm Mm-hmm. Remembered that while I haven't read the book, I've seen the show. I told and you I, that earlier. <laughs> I now know <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> Wait, till last week, you didn't know. No, I no, I knew, but between oh. recording that and recording now, I had no idea what we were talking about today. And, and, I and asked earlier, her earlier today. I asked her earlier,
1: and I'm like, you know, Crooked Kingdom, the next one, you know, sh- Shadow and Bones, and she just looked at me like I was saying words and they meant things, and it meant you nothing often, to
0: her you you often say words that mean things yet put together they don't mean anything
1: so yes yes you know these characters uh, yep I'm, i you're, know what you're we're about talking to, about now you're about to experience some huge spoilers yay <laughs> massive ones um okay so to debrief you kim and okay. i might need your help with this sarah because this plot is a little uh wobbly is the only word I can say and not like it's like precarious. It's but such like such a mess. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a heist. It's just a different type of heist which means we've got all of these different aspects all being juggled at once and you've got to kind of anticipate them and then you know things don't go as planned and they you know have to fix them and then you get to the end of it and you wonder did it actually not go as planned or did it actually go as planned all along? which sometimes these books hurt my brain because sometimes there's a little level of convenience to everything succeeding. So
0: but that exists in just about any storytelling.
1: True. True. Okay. So at the end of the last book and give me just a second here, cause I want to make sure I say this right. And I realized at the back of this book that there is a pronunciation guide. <laughs> so oh, it that's helpful. <laughs> Did you not realize that Sarah? No, I said that's helpful. No, I thought I heard Sarah go, "Oh, like, oh, I didn't know well, that."
2: Yeah, I also I didn't realize I already dropped it in the library box, though, so I can't even open it to double check.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, We're I to most that I that understand. <laughs> so, at the very end of the last book, Jan van Eyck who is a merch guy in Jam. <laughs> well, they call a rich him merchant, rich merchant. Yeah. He's one of the merch counts Council of Merchants uh, members. And they he had tasked the crows with retrieving Kueh, who knows how to make parem. I think I said that right. And they get back and he double crosses them and they triple cross him because he's decided he's not going to give them the money he owes them. And they trick him by changing his son, who's working with them, to look like Kue So he can't get the actual Kue who will make Harem for them. <laughs> so that's, that's the very end of the last book. So at the very beginning of this book, we are going through the process of them trying to figure out basically how they're going to get their money. And they're hiding. And And Inez. Oh, yes. And Inez had been kidnapped by Jan Van Eck.
2: Big part of the start there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My brain suddenly blanked on the first portion of this book because this plot is 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 heavy. It's there's a lot of it. There's a lot of elements kind of interweaving. Um and so they're trying to get the first half of the book is them essentially trying to get Inez back from Jan Van Eck which it's a heist there are elements you know they they plan they trick they i can't even remember <laughs> How they, they um, kidnap alice oh yes they kidnap his, his pregnant wife, wife. yeah they, they kidnap his pregnant wife who is Waylon, his son's stepmother so they they kidnap her and they do a trade and they cause some weird like parade festival thing to go off that is, is fun to read in the book, but like trying to describe it is it's really weird. I'm not sure how to describe it beyond just it's a cultural thing that's going on and they use it to their advantage to get off of the bridge. But at the same time, the shoe have sent, I don't even know how to say what they are. These like... Yeah, the care good or whatever. Yeah, care good? They, come, care good. They, come, they come back in the next series, um, but they're like... Grisha that have they don't make any sense
2: that they have don't been make like any molded sense at all. with
1: metal they, they make more sense when you read um rule of wolves but you haven't gotten that right. from me yet so you don't know that um uh, yeah. they, they make more sense in that book they go back to them and explain them more
2: physically though they make no sense no
1: no they, they make metal no crates. sense They're like
2: oh they hollow out their bones and then they put metal in them like okay putting <laughs> metal under their skin makes them harder like heavier than hollowing out their bones so how can they fly it does not make sense. And they're not Grisha. They're just normal people. At least they're, in this book, they're implied yeah, no, no, that they're, they're just normal people.
1: They're Grisha. They're,
2: they're
1: yeah. Grisha. <laughs> Grisha, sorry. Spoiler. Spoiler, yeah. Spoiler, they're, they're Grisha.
2: Yeah, they were one of the things I had trouble with in this book.
1: Yes. Yeah, so they, they attack the bridge and they nearly get Nina and Jesper because they can sense other people who have powers. They don't get them though. And then wait, oh, go ahead. So
2: in this book, it's not explained how they can sense them. Is it actually by like scent by like dog, like a dog scent almost, or in the other books do they say that it's some other magical power that they have to sense them?
1: Okay. Okay. I got another hand raised. Okay. Sense or scent. Scent. She's asking if they can. They are, we are told in they the can, book, is it sensing or scenting? Y- yes. They think. think it's scent. They the think that the characters, because this is from the point of view of the characters, multiple point of views, they think it's scent. Because they like with lift their nose yeah, or with the teeth. They lift their like nose. Smelling the air. However, it's okay i'm trying to think of so the grisha are stinky no it's <laughs> that's what i just heard <laughs> it's that their their magic has a, a smell to it supposedly supposedly that's what they think that's the that's the the okay. working theory the working theory and i'm trying to think of how to explain this without getting spoilery because rule of wolves just kind of came out only mm. about what by I mean, the time of recording it's, it's yeah, yeah I mean, I I'll haven't say, read it yet, so yeah, I'll just say you, you'll read to the book. And they explain it a little bit better because you go to the shoe empire. Um, so you do get like, we finally get to meet the shoe beyond, you know, characters well, that, was one that of are my run other away from this book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, beyond What's just that? the the fact that the shoe, there's kind of the, this big bad villain country without like
0: any explanation. So and it's I, kind of can, awkward. Can mm-hmm. I ask a question? So mm-hmm. is it kind of um. I get the impression and maybe it's from the show that the shoe are kind of um an Asian yes and that kind of I mean granted these all came out before what's going on in the United States right now with um yeah stuff uh is it Uh, uncomfortable when you read it
1: it was for me okay okay but I've read rule of wolves (laughs) (laughs) Um, you're gonna need to
0: stop saying that but like if you only read these two
2: books like if you only read these two books yeah i was definitely uncomfortable
1: yeah i think if you you've only read these two books (laughs) except except i don't know that in these books they explicitly describe them as asian-like is is the only way I can describe it Asian like because obviously Rovka Ravka is supposed to be like Russia, right? It, maybe Germany. Yeah. Um Ketterdam is obviously
0: supposed it's Russian.
1: Yeah. Is obviously so Russian
0: Ukrainian, you know, you go back Polish, to the old yeah, Kiev, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, all of that.
1: Um then you have Ketterdam, which is Amsterdam, and then Kalish always came off as like Ireland. I don't yeah, know if that's yeah. What I know. Uh, which is always weird i'm like really we're just gonna jump to ireland like <laughs> like maybe they
2: meant ireland like mixed with like the british isles and like the everything british isles yeah like or
1: the characteristics
2: Celtic. she gives them are predominantly irish
0: yeah yeah because the she red hair d- the red hair in there Actually, that's more scottish than irish but anyway we won't get into oh. the debate yeah but
1: but it's it's okay. it's the british isles basically <laughs> is what the the calish are supposed to remind you of because so there's Celtic, yeah, cuz they're farmers or they're thieves, they're, you know. And then oh, we Oh good god. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> one then, or the other. One or the other. It really is the, Cal- the only Kalish that we've met are farmers or thieves. Cuz you have Pecorino, at least you get
2: Jasper who is of Kalish descent.
1: Yes, but he's he's biracial. Cuz I was going to say then we have the the Zemeni, which is clearly supposed to be like like africa african and then you have the suli which are kind of indian um as in like india indian um I, possibly just middle eastern in general but the acrobatics and everything make me think they're supposed to be like india and plus who, who they cast in the show leads to because um Inej, mom in the show she does the acrobatic silks and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so india yeah. um and and so yeah it, it's but i would say in this these books they don't
0: they don't go m- much detail into the shoe culture. They're just the shoe. Yeah, but if you're going to name everybody else that you named and we still have interaction on the same continent, even though we make it two continents, yeah, that doesn't leave much left.
1: No, it really doesn't. And, and yeah, it, it does portray them as as villains.
2: Just like straight up too. You don't get like any other side of it. You don't get an explanation. You get a shoe character who never talks or barely ever talks. Yeah. Who's afraid of his home country.
1: Yeah. Um and And even in the last series, the Tamara and and, uh Tamara and Tolia, uh, they have fear of their home country too, because they're shoe. They ran away. Oh, and then we have the and I'm gonna say this horribly. Matthias's people are, are Swedish-Norwegian. Nor Norwegian. Uh, The, 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 the Fjerdins? Fuirden? thank you. The Fuirdens, um are supposed to be like Swedish-Norwegian inspiration. And, it's like, and
2: they're bad too, but you get, of course, Matthias and stuff. And it's just kind of awkward that the other villains who kind of get some redemption to them are and they're like, oh, they're also normal people. They're also super white with their blonde hair and their pale skin. And on the other spectrum... <laughs> there's just the shoe yeah you don't very dehumanized
1: very villainous in and not yeah i would say that in these these first two series well, they if she'd...
0: she's taking all of this and she's throwing it into taking past history mm-hmm. actual literal history making a fantasy world out of it possibly mongolian
1: uh, possibly
0: no. but no but i'm talking about um who am i thinking of Con, uh, uh, uh,
1: Ku, Ku, Khan? Genghis
0: Khan. Genghis Khan, Khan. thank you.
1: Genghis that's a Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, poem. it's a poem. I love that poem. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I, well, okay, so I will say, because in the next series, we get more descriptions of gardens and Oriental that removes it from that kind of Mongolian aspect, okay. no, that removes the nomadic aspect that kind of favors Mongolia and, and makes it much more... Uh, Chinese. Are they a
0: horse-based empire or are they no? No?
1: Okay. No. They, we it, it, At least in Rule of Wolves, this isn't too spoilery, they go into like massive discussions about gardens and, and a
0: lot of um, so imagery that stereo, stereotyping Asia.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. <laughs> um, it's Yeah. It's This is one of those weird situations where You want diversity in reading, and Leigh Bardugo has made an effort to create an array of cultures in one book and give you diverse characters and different perspectives and stuff, and some she does a really good job on. Other ones feel like they get the short end of the stick, and particularly when looking at Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, we don't have characters like Tamara, 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 Tamara. Tamara. I think it's, yeah. And told you to kind Uh, of. I wrote down her name somewhere. Yeah. I'm just not sure how it said, but we don't have. Oh, Tamar. Tamar. Okay. Or Tamar.
2: Who knows? Um, T-A-M-A-R.
1: Yeah. We don't get their perspective or interactions with other characters in this. Like we do uh, Shadow and Bones to have like some good. We don't even get it.
2: We don't get POV chapters at all for these characters, do we? No, we don't for Uh, Kuai.
1: So it's like. Yeah, Kue, we don't. Um,
0: Again, you've not read Rule of Wool. So I would say that, you know, in writing, at this point, at this
2: point in the story.
0: Right. When you're writing and you're doing something and you're making a society or multiple societies see another society as evil, that's not outside the realm of what exists. Yeah. Um, It's just unfortunate that. That this writer wrote something, and and now we're in a situation where we're actually living that thing where you know people are being beaten in the streets because they're Asian of yeah. some sort or another, and Americans Wait. can't tell the difference between anybody anyway unless they're white. So, or well, yeah, and we sorry, and they did make rude.
1: they they did make the change in the show that a uh, uh, Lana Alina Alina is Alina? part shoe yeah she's part right. shoe instead of being the white white savior <laughs> um they yes Sarah but 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 wait
2: do we does she get any shoe like culture or is she just like ethnic no she part wasn't raised in and we
0: don't actually the actress, she's just looked down upon because she's part shoe
1: yeah the actress the is show. is biracial they made the character biracial but she doesn't remember her time before she was orphaned by the fold so there's some weird implication in the in the show that her parents traversed through the fold with her and at some point that caused them to die and then she was put into an orphanage so she has no she doesn't know her culture and she's not accepted by So she's not super
0: representative of the shoe. Well, other than she's the hero of the entire damn story, but not represented in the, the movie. Sorry, in, yeah, the show. in the show. Yeah. Yeah. But she's not. She doesn't represent the shoe, other than everyone looking down upon her because she's part shoe.
1: And even then, in the show, like about a third of the way through, they just stop commenting on it. Yep, it's not really addressed. It's just it just stops being a comment. It's like it was a run Once eat- they
0: know she's uh whatever she is, I can't remember the word now. The sun Fashion. summoner. The sun summoner. Yeah. Yeah, once they discover she has the magic, then then it's like, oh, we overlook all of that. You're one of us yeah. now.
1: And then it's not addressed again.
0: <laughs> At least not yet in the show. We obviously it's only
1: had one season. But yeah, in terms of in terms of that representation, Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, I don't think does a very good job of addressing it. And If you're saying it
0: kind of resolves itself out as you go further into the series. Into a new series, yeah. Yeah, it's probably a purposeful decision. You know, she's taken points of view. She's taken clearly a a very, if it was real Eurocentric view, which is how most of our history is viewed upon until recent times as, as we're starting to discover that history is written by those who are in charge and not actually real. Yeah. Um, so and, it's probably purposeful on the writer's part. Yeah. Or or the other thing is
1: that this author is very good about is when she does get feedback, she changes. So she wrote Shadow and Bones and everyone went, well, this is really like, you don't really have a lot of diversity in it. It's not, you know, where's the diversity? And then she came back with Six of Crows, which does have diversity in it, both in terms of ethnicity ableism, gender. What's the look on your face, Sarah.
0: <laughs> what about the look on her face? She she just does, she's like the I don't think she's impressed with the diversity in this book. <laughs> I'm just laughing like diversity. Also, the Chinese are villains. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, diversity, but I and think
0: stereotypes.
1: I think then she got feedback that hey, the shoes seem like a stereotype, and then she proceeded to write King of Scars and Rule of Wolves, and she fleshed them out more. So I will say. She is an author who, when she gets feedback, she tries to make active progression beyond what she's already written. She tries to flesh out things. So it's possible that she got to this point and someone said, oh, this is kind of mm, iffy. And she went, okay, let me fix that. So I will give her credit. There are other authors who just choose to ignore that kind of stuff. Like, without a doubt. They just, they ignore it. Um, or they even bait. That 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 happens. So, yeah, um, I can't remember where. Oh, the bridge. So, (laughs) going back to to the beginning. Uh, No, that was about a third of the way to the halfway through the book. Um, I played it. Just a third. Okay, I'll give you a third. So, they escape the bridge. They now have Inej. They don't have their money. They now need to get Kuwe and the other Grisha off of Ketterdam before the shoe find them and take them so this turns into oh and then jesper's fathers arrived in this entire process because jesper has used a loan against his father's farm to feed his addictions then we get to that point and they design decide to make another plan where Kue is going to auction himself off and they are going to make it look like Jan van Eck like gamed the system. So basically like, what's the word I'm looking for?
2: You forgot the part where they destroy all his sugar.
1: Say all that. Oh, I wasn't getting shot yet, yeah. I hadn't gotten, oh yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, sorry, yes. he Inej and them went to go destroy his sugar because they bought, there were silos. They bought the other, like money, they put money towards the other silos. They destroyed his sugar. That way then they would have a monopoly on sugar. Then they did decide to do, to use Kuwe being auctioned off for indentured servitude to make it look like Jan van Eyck had what is the word insider trading basically insider trading that he was doing insider trading in terms of taking money from the council council of merchants and giving it to there. they make it seem like that he was giving it to the Rathka but they end up having it be that he the, the money was perceived to give be given to the shoe so the shoe could buy kuwait but they don't because a fake tied I don't know how to explain this. It's so convoluted. Like the it's- council, or it gets interrupted. Yeah,
2: by the Council of Tides, who's like, "Hey, oh, they also faked Wyland getting kidnapped and tortured to reveal the scheme." So then the fake council shows up, interrupts them, chaos ensues. They fake Kuei's death, and stuff happens after that. It all works out in the end. Well. For most of them.
1: For most of them. So here is the big spoiler. Mateus is killed. Oh. <laughs> and I know oh I'm sorry to have to spoil that for you because I know you liked Nina and Matthias, Mateus in the um in the show. So yes, he was will...
0: <laughs> done. 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 Not watching.
1: <laughs> Not watching. No, I'm kidding. i still um, watching he gets killed by one of his home people for betraying them one of the the druskella uh kill him because he he went with the way they put it the grisha whore instead of you know siding with his people so he dies oh and then nina ends up with death magic oh yeah i mean that comes (laughs) up a little sooner but yeah (laughs) sorry yeah nina and all of this um she had taken parim in the last book it had altered her heart magic i'm gonna call it heart magic because i can't say the word i'm horrible at saying the word um heart render well yes but they're called something else in the the oh. the corp core the corporal key or whatever yeah so it took her magic and altered it so that she can summon the dead she can produce bone shards and in this, she manages to flake, fake the plague, but she can still tailor people, kind of. It's just not easy for her anymore. So she has death magic, which they use to make a fake plague come through Ketterdam in order to, like, override the merchant blocks that were going on so they could get the Grisha going, get them out of the, the island with Kuei, who pretended to die, and um, Nina. I think Nina left with them. And they all leave with Zoya and Stormhound, who is actually Nikolai. <laughs> but they don't know that it's Nikolai, the king of Ravka. <laughs> oh, and, and Jenya. Genya <laughs> was with them too.
0: <laughs> doesn't sound complicated at all.
1: Oh, it i i enjoy it but yes six of crows and crooked kingdom are complicated in terms of the number of characters and the number of things that characters are doing and i think you said this sarah in your notes sometimes it it makes certain storylines feel a little tedious like they're trying to force progression on them which do you want to give us an example or just give them time like filler do you have an
2: example? Of, an yeah. example? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's more like when you're reading it, it's like, oh, God, why are we going back to this? When all the action starts building up and they switch over and then you get invested in a different storyline, it keeps doing that. But Ineja's one was the most fillerish that with, I can think
1: of. With Donyasha.
2: Yes. I mean, like after she gets rescued, because before there's tension, you don't know what's going to happen to her. She's getting tortured and stuff. It's like, oh, this is really bad. And then she gets free. And then we meet Danyasha for no reason. This character is useless. She was just such a strange character because she comes out of nowhere, literally. She just appears. You don't know anything about her other than the fact that she's been hired by, I guess, Jan. I think it's implied at some point or explicitly stated. uh, No,
1: Pika. Pekka. Pekka Rollins.
2: You know, that's the thing. I could. I didn't necessarily get them confused while reading the book but like after the fact you've got two rich dudes that they're trying to swindle it's very easy to get them mixed up yeah. um but yeah she she was just there basically to get in Inej's way her personally because she had nothing against any of the other characters it's not really clear why she had to go specifically for Inej other than the fact that she was hired and it's she doesn't appear in any other book right she's like saying oh i'm the heir to the rothkin throne
1: yeah which if you haven't read the first trilogy you wouldn't care um yeah (laughs) you wouldn't know that nikolai is possibly not actually the king's son and it sets up a situation for king of scars but like It's not her in King of Scars. It just is kind of introducing this idea that because this this guy becoming king is questionable, that now of course we have to have potential heirs coming out of the woodwork. Although, could you have imagined we would have ended up with like a throne of glass kind of situation if Danyasha had been kept and was actually truly an heir, and was trying to actually get the the um like Danyasha is. It just seems like the main character of. Aelin. Aelin. It right? just seems like Aelin. I know. I
2: was like, this. that's what I was thinking when I was reading it. I was like, this just seems like a, a slightly more psychotic Aelin character. And uh, like, oh god, I was just so over her. Even like, when she first appeared, I was like, wh- why? Why are we doing this? This is not necessary. This is just to add meat to Ineja's story, but it's ultimately pointless because she eventually kills, because she eventually kills Dunyasha. And the story is resolved without any change. It doesn't change any part of Inezha's story. Like it's just like the story would not have changed if Dinyasha didn't even appear.
1: So This is total gossip. Total total gossip. but it is it is believed by the book community that at one point Sarah J. Mass and Leo Bardugo were friends. Uh oh. And it is believed, and I'm not going to repeat what was said. I'm just, Lee Bardugo has said that there was an author who insulted her, who called her derogatory things based off of her appearance. And it's believed. She's never named who it was, but it's believed that it's Sarah J. Mass. And so a part of me wonders <laughs> <laughs> if this is like some weird, like, weird, like, slight. <laughs> To take like the care one of the main characters that, you know, started Sarah J. Mass's career and to make her own variant. Cause I think she even has like the really pale hair. Yeah. White
2: blonde yeah. hair. It's a an assassin, like yeah. specially trained.
1: It's like oh secretly it might be, you know, a princess <laughs> and, and just kills her. If it's like some weird like nod or slight towards Sarah J. Mass no, no basis for this. This is just a headcanon for me of like why we had to have Donyasha is that at some point there was a falling out between these two authors. And so this was her way of like.
2: I mean, that that makes it much more entertaining. And it's like, oh, okay, (laughs) I accept that. I understand now why she's in the story. But yeah, if that is not the explanation, then it was unnecessary. Like it did not do anything other than detract from the main story. Could have skipped it.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, it really like it it added other than just to keep Inez occupied. And then I'm trying to think if there were any other like aspects of it that but I think that was probably the biggest like waste. Other than also again, Inez and the whole her talking to oh Lordy, let me look up his name.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. Once you rescue Inej, her storyline is pretty much done.
1: Yeah. Uh, Bazan. Bazan. Bazan, the music teacher. Oh, the music teacher. That was also kind of like a weird throwaway is have her having extended conversations with him other than he was clearly supposed to also be Suli, um, but like not nomadic Suli, just of Suli descent. And clearly he's actually the father of Alice's child. That was, I don't even think it's ever explicitly stated, but like- <laughs> It's not
2: explicitly stated. It's one of those things that you wonder about, but it's also not like until the baby is born, you don't really know for sure.
1: Yeah, but there's kind of the implication that he and Alice were more than just... Well, the actor other- and student teacher. Definitely that. <laughs> but again, we have the situation where we were creating conversations for Inej to have that then just...
2: Yeah, it was just there to, you know, thicken her chapters, basically.
1: Yeah, um, which... I don't know. I would have been I would have been okay with sparser Inez chapters and just stuck to really what needed to be gotten to and not so much trying to give her equal time. I did like the uh and I think you commented on it. I did like the parallel from the last book with her and Kaz. Let me see if I can find it.
2: Oh, where they revisit that moment.
1: Yeah, but she says something that I think like. Okay, so in the last book, we have the moment where Anej says, I will have you without armor, Kaz Berker, or I will have not have you at all. So then we have, paralleling that, in this book, he says, I would come for you, he said, and when he saw the wary look, she gave him, she shot him, sorry, he said it again, I would come for you, and if I couldn't walk, I'd crawl to you. And no matter how broken we were, we'd fight our way out together, knives drawn, pistols blazing, because that's what we do. We never stop fighting. So I liked that because it was a nice parallel. It was almost like his response to that when he couldn't give her a response then. And I think in this book, they really address the fact that. It was almost unfair what Inez was trying to ask from him last book because this book she starts to realize that she really can't handle the physical contact either because she's been sexually assaulted. So maybe it was unfair for him to for her to expect him to offer up touch when she can't actually handle receiving touch. So I did like that. I think that mm-hmm. repaired that moment nicely. Do you agree? Uh, I mean, I do think
2: this book did return to that moment from the first book and kind of, it fixed it for me. Like, cause you also kind of get uh, Inez's, like she's even thinking about that moment at a certain, at a different point in the book, I think, or maybe slightly earlier in that section. And it just, it kind of like shows her point of view more. So you do kind of get a better idea of what she was asking for him in the last book. And then yes, that's like, What he says there is, for Kaz, it's like one of the most emotional things you're probably going to get from him at this point in time. It's the best that he can offer, but it is a lot more than he would offer anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Well, and then there's the fact that at the end of the book, they stand there holding hands without his glove on.
0: Yeah. Oh, they touch. Um. <laughs> I was wanting to know, but I wasn't going to ask because you'd have told me it was in this Rule of Wolves book, and that no. we weren't allowed to
1: know. No, 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 so. no, 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 no. By the end of this book, Inej is going off to get her ships. Her well, she he buys her ship so she can go stop slavers, and he also found her parents. And so the last, I think it's almost. If it's not, it's the second to last chapter he tells her to go look at a particular harbor and he tells her that that birth number is there for her at all times so that she can come back whenever she wants. And then he touches her hand and he holds it and she's admiring the ship. And then two Suli individuals step off the ship and she basically goes, wait, is that, is that who I think it is? And he goes, I didn't want to tell you in case I couldn't find them. And he goes, but, but yeah, those are your, your parents. I I sent out feelers. I asked the Ravkin to see if they could locate them and he reunites her with her parents. So the, she goes running off to say hi to them and he follows after. And that's like it for the Six of Crows <laughs> portion of it. So yeah, I did I did appreciate their love story. It's unconventional, but it's a love story. I, I, I appreciated it. I liked the fact that we, we got to go back to it and we got to realize that sometimes in situations when two people have such extreme traumas that it's not about you know kissing and making out and 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 having sex but instead it's it's learning how to be happy and function with each other and knowing what each other can and cannot give in the situation so that way then you're always respecting their boundaries and an and kaz did they still got some work to do and that doesn't really come up in Rule of Wolves, but it is Hinted at is it. another series after that. I don't know if she's announced that she's doing it, but it seems like it could continue. <laughs> so I liked them. And then we have Nia and Matthias. Matthias, who clearly their love story ends because he dies. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> They're all dead, Dave um <laughs> he
0: dies I, I almost watched that the other day <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then and then we have which i think is actually my favorite jesper and wyland Waylan right consult the book here
2: i call him wyland but i have no idea
1: w-y-e-l-u-h-n for pronunciation spell that again wait
0: w-y-l
1: w-y-e is the first section for the pronunciation uh-huh. hyphen l-u-h-n
2: Lun. okay so
1: it would be wyland 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 Wylan. Wylan. yeah. okay so we then have jesper and wyland who are adorable and they finally end up together in this book the very end very very end after freaking jesper and his dumbiness kisses Kuwe thinking Kuwe was wyland because wyland had been magic to look like Kuwe. <laughs> but i i don't even know how to describe they're just it's adorable their development is adorable um And I like the fact that out of everyone, they don't have like, there's no major coming together. They just kind of slowly grow on each other and realize they are attracted to each other. And that's that. You know, there's no traumas holding them back from each other. There's no fighting kingdoms that, you know, (laughs) make it hard for them to be together. It's just two guys who are slightly imperfect each that work together. Do you have anything to add to that, Sarah?
2: (laughs) Well, I missed a lot of it because my internet started cutting out. So um, (laughs) I don't know everything that you said. I caught like the end of it, but I mean, yeah. I mean, Wyland is my favorite character for sure in this book. I couldn't explain why because I already forgot a lot of it since I finished it like three days ago. But I do remember when I finished the book, I was like, yeah, Wyland is definitely my favorite and, um, and, yeah, the relationship with Jesper, the way it just develops kind of naturally uh, is nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think with Jesper and Wylan and Kaz those are both nice because it's not just two teens obsessing about kissing or, or other weird physical obsessions that they have towards each other. Um,
1: you mean unlike Nina and... I don't
2: I feel yeah I was like I don't really remember them being really awful like Nina and Mateus about it but I do think you get more of that like pining and flirting uh, just general obnoxiousness (laughs) yeah flirting (laughs) sure that's another word for it Um,
0: I like general obnoxiousness better
1: (laughs) so So, yeah I, I,
0: I do like those two
1: if there are weird noises in the background for any listeners, it is our dogs fighting outside. <laughs> it's Probably not like that. some weird. No, it's it's their normal fighting. They're playing. They're playing, but it <laughs> sounds like there's some like weird demons. They're like <laughs>
2: at
1: each other. <laughs> the podcast isn't possessed. It's just dogs.
2: <laughs> well, it could be both.
0: It could be. No. I like
1: the idea of it being possessed. Excuse me, just because you guys like the idea of it being possessed does not mean it is. (laughs) Uh, And then what did you think of think of Jasper and Coam? Oh
2: yeah, I liked the, um, I like there being a parental presence in the book.
1: And like not an angry parental presence. Huh? What? What did you say?
2: I was asking, did I make a note about it?
1: I think you Oh, did.
2: yeah. I just said that I liked seeing at least one of the characters interact with a parental presence, or a parental unit, having that wholesome family connection, which none of the other Well, I guess Inej references it, but obviously it's not something you see in real time, given that she was uh, kidnapped and sold into slavery. Yeah. Um... that that was kind of refreshing it also kind of emphasizes how young the other characters are like the fact they are just teenagers (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he didn't get killed so you know that's that's good
1: yeah because i think they're between the ages of like 17 15 to 18
2: yeah 18 because matthias is the oldest 18 18. and then i think wyland is like 15 or
0: 16
1: i think he was 15 in the last book and
0: he so like was like almost sixteen.
1: 16? Yeah, I don't almost know. sixteen. Um, which is so weird because he gets to the end of this and is going to be running a merchant empire at the age of fifteen with Jasper. Yeah,
2: Jesper's robbing the cradle there.
1: <laughs> I think he's only supposed to be seventeen. Yeah,
2: still at those ages. Two years. a gambling
1: addiction at seventeen has a gambling addiction. I think that's the one flaw in all of this. Is those ages are not realistic at all. They should have been in their early 20s. But I know it's supposed to be a young adult book, but like they...
2: I didn't catch any of that because of my internet.
1: I said the ages were unrealistic.
2: Oh, yeah. Tell me about it.
1: Because <laughs> Jesper's supposed to be like in university at the age of like 17 and... Oh, that's you know, a good point. And, and supposed to be like, it's not even like a fresh, like just started school. The implication I got was like, he's a year or two into it and has a gambling mm-hmm. debt. At the age of 17 in, like, the millions. <laughs> That's a lot of gambling. Def,
2: well, yeah, definitely a couple hundred or hundreds of thousands.
1: Yeah. Um, and was able to, like, get a loan against his father's farm at the age of 17.
2: Well, his dad did that.
1: Yes. Yeah, so For no, school. But he said that he, I thought there was some weird implication that, like, somehow he managed to put, like, he got more credit on it. Um
2: mm. I just got that he asked for the loan from his dad for money for school, and so his dad put a loan on the farm, and then it got called due, thanks to the merchant connections, um... Okay. Which is how we ended up there.
1: Yeah. But it's still... That's still a lot of money. And then Nina is, you know, she's been in the Second Army for, like, a year. Well, she's been Grisha for a while, but, like, actually serving in Second Army. She managed to serve for one to two years, then turn around and get kidnapped. Then is running around with Matthias, and then is doing indentured servitude in a brothel, but she's not like, sexual acts, she's doing emotional acts. For
2: a year, too. For
1: a year. Matthias was in jail for a year. Yeah, so she's like, what, 17, 18, and all of that's happened to her. um You know, Kaz, Kaz is the only one that actually, oddly enough, makes the most sense, but that's only because, like, he lost his brother at the age of eight, nine, and he had to learn 10. how to... Okay, and had to learn to survive. So he's probably, what, 16, 17? So that's seven years that he's, like, learned how to handle all of this, although his skill levels seem well beyond that of a teenager. Danny, get off. Don't crowl at me. So, yeah, the ages seem absurd. (laughs) Which
2: is pretty typical for a YA book, but yes. Yeah. Even so, even though it's expected for YA, it always makes me roll my eyes. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. A plucky teen prodigy. Every well, single one of them.
1: And how... Which I I did not read young adult when I was a young adult.
0: I read adult literature. You can blame me for that. But like... Which part? You, the, for reading the, the, the adult, adult literature. Literature as a oh. teen but like, rather than reading teen stuff.
1: I read books like this, and I think, what an absurd expectation you are putting... Sorry, I keep burping. What an absurd expectation that you are putting on children. Like, the level of expectation that is put on teens by reading these books, that they're supposed to, like, solve the world, and that they are intelligent enough to outwit adults.
2: Emotionally intelligent, too. Yeah, emotionally
1: intelligent. It kind of it makes me laugh and I I, I see this all the time um, in the book community where people discuss the fact that one, adults get chained for listening to young adult or reading young adult and then there really isn't literature for people between the ages of let's say 20 to 28. There's older literature where it's like women finding themselves again. So, you know, romance novels. There's literary literature. Um, You then have your thrillers. But, like, in terms of, like, like, fantasy, they're either insanely young or they are ambiguous at best. And it's just, like, this book feels like it should have been written for someone who was in their 20s, not for seventh grade and up. Like it puts such an unrealistic expectation of someone that young that they think that they, and then you wonder why young, young adults think that they can solve the world.
2: Well, to be fair, they're going to kind of have to pretty soon because there's not much of the world for them at this rate. So it's just getting them prepared.
1: So I just heard we're fucked. But it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't create a healthy conversation for them on how to handle the their emotional intelligence, emotional level.
0: You know it. it I, I, I think, agree with what you're saying completely. I, yeah. I think these are clearly not young adult stories, but they're sliding young adults into them. And and if we're re- referring to young adults as teenagers, um, in this case, one, we are. Yeah, that's not a young adult. That's a child um yeah it's just a more grown child um it's a sub-adult sub-adult yeah it's 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 and the expectations that you would have even the ability to walk out of your house and function for two weeks on your own and not be completely destroyed by the world around you is um it's it's pretty hard so kids it's, who run away or kids who go out and and have to live on their own, live on the streets, live you know, doing these things, they don't come out of it whole and they don't come out of it well with the love of their life holding their hand as they stare off into the sunset. It's just not realistic.
1: Yeah. So okay, to kind of give you an idea of of where the conflict in this is, is so for literature, young adult is considered ages twelve to eighteen. That that's considered the young adult genre. So you then have. In terms of development, young adult is actually classified as what it where did I see that as late teens to early 20s, if not into their 30s. So, Murphy, I swear to the gods, cat.
0: <laughs> oh, no, please leave that part in the, in the recording. I, I i want it left in too. I wish you could Emily, see the look on her face as she looks off to the right side
1: <laughs> off the bookshelf
0: is he poking on the bookshelf no. no
1: he's trying to climb up the bookshelf and pull oh. things off my bookshelf
0: he's a kitten he's curious Ugh. he's a young adult kitten in that he gets into a lot of trouble and doesn't know his limits
1: okay so what i was trying to say is in terms of in terms of say the reference i'm looking at right now is talking about eric Erickson's stages of human development they identify young adult as anywhere from late teens to early 20s into the 30s. So the young adult genre is not actually targeting young adults. They've just called it young adults. It's teens. It should be teen
0: literature, and then you should have young adult literature. And those Except for no teen is going to read teen literature. They want to pretend that it's adult literature that they're reading, but it's not.
1: Yeah, but yeah, so... It's just reality. it's And that's where like a story like this should be targeted at someone in their twenties where it's mildly realistic, mildly because in twenties for our society, people are leaving the nest, going out there developing those good habits, developing those bad habits getting themselves into trouble. That's realistic. Teens are just like, like, just starting to get there. They
0: think they're doing it. But that's kind of, I mean, yeah. I'm suddenly going to become devil's advocate. They don't, it's not that they think that they're doing it. It's that they're developing the desire to do it. Yes. And so this type of writing is meant to, which I don't necessarily agree with this, but this type of writing is meant to inspire the, the desire to leave the nest and go out and, and become a gambler on your own. Conquer the world on your own. I totally off some
1: heists, oh, yeah. yeah, That's so, what the book so, is about. Oh, okay. Swindling Sorry. people. Sorry. So young adults, you need to learn how to swindle people and pull off heists. If you can't invade the ice court and steal people, you've not
0: succeeded in life.
2: I mean, and they if, certainly won't succeed in life. <laughs> if they don't have those skills.
0: I want to know where the ice court is so I can go. Uh, apparently,
1: like Norway, Sweden... Mm. (laughs) if we're going back to our what cultures are represented here (laughs) yeah
2: somewhere in scandinavia
1: so yeah it it, like i said it i think it's the one thing about these books that i i wish that she would have aged them up it the ages seem a little i mean granted none of them have sex at any point (laughs) sarah's woohooing that
2: um don't find the time for that
1: no there's just kissing and he is just kissing. Whoa. On a side note, it so early on in the book, she has a character named Hana, and it's really weird because she names a character in King of Scars Hana, like she reuses the name.
2: It's weird because there's only ever one name for one person in the whole world at any one time
1: yes sarah yes there's only one sarah in the entire world but like you just you don't normally see that in books where they like
2: i don't remember a character named tana
1: in king of scars in this book. yeah in this book it's a throwaway character it's um i marked it because i thought it was weird just a second
2: i mean i definitely don't remember a character in king of scars because i do not remember that book at all
1: she's just a little girl in this I don't know. Like, she has a conversation think, with Kaz, but I don't think it's the same Hana. Really? Yeah, because the other Hana is... Um, uh, uh, Jarl... What's his name's daughter?
2: Oh, Jarl Brum.
1: Yeah. She's up at the... Nunnery. Or Jarl Brum? Yeah. Who you knows how J's are pronounced? She She's up at the nunnery. Huh. In King of Scars. So just just something I noticed that I thought was strange <laughs> Maybe she forgot
2: she used the name before and was like oh that's a good name
1: I don't know I'd like to know yeah. I'd like to know the reasoning behind that but I do not have the reasoning behind it but yeah I had noticed that I'm trying to think if there was anything else I noticed the last chapter with Pika Rollins why and there? Yeah, it.
2: Yeah, I don't, because honestly, it's, see, so yeah, I think uh, that that last chapter, I mean, it is kind of concluding Kaz's revenge story against Pika Rollins, which is a big driving factor, but it definitely disrupts the sense of completion that you get from the previous chapter with Kaz and Inej. so it's... It both makes sense to include that chapter, but maybe not there at the very end. I don't know. Or like maybe it didn't need to be necessary at all because um, it's already implied that he was taken care of because he ran off to go hide with his son. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was. I was wondering if you'd come to that same conclusion, because yeah, I was just like, I don't, I don't know why we've never had a point of view from this guy, and while we have had one or two random point of views in the past, I think no, I think
2: isn't he the point of view on the last chapter, of the last book? I think so. I just thought we got a random point of view from him at one other time, but I could be wrong. Maybe I could just be thinking of that single chapter. I don't have the book, so I can't check.
1: Uh, it sound? would. It's the cat using the litter box. Oh. <laughs> He's scratching the wall to clear it. You get to hide stuff. Because, you know, the wall's going to help him. <laughs> I didn't think that we had gotten more of his point of view. Is that Murph again? No, it's Trogo. Oh. Okay, we were talking about that last chapter. Yeah, I I can't remember if there was another... If there was an another chapter from him but even then it's still i don't know that it added anything
2: yeah i mean the only thing it really explained is that he's not going to come back that kaz has successfully destroyed his merchant empire or whatever yeah. that's really all it sums up which i mean she could have just implied without earlier chapters it was like implied that he would eventually come back so if she hadn't mentioned that if it was just like he's been taken care of, then she wouldn't need to add that extra chapter in.
1: Was it really necessary to kill Matthias?
2: No, (laughs) I don't think so. I think she just wanted to clear Nina to continue a storyline that wasn't revolving around him in later books, possibly. I don't know what goes on in like Rule of Wolves with her. I don't remember what was going on with her in king of scars
1: she was going to be like since
2: she is yeah that's that's the only part that i remember is her trying to like do something to bury him um and like preserving his body while she was trying to bury him or something like that
1: and then spy work
2: um uh see i don't remember that the rest of it but since I think she's either said she was a bisexual character or implied it at some point, I feel like she just wanted to open up her romantic options again to explore that part. Because, I mean,
1: I will neither confirm nor deny.
2: is dying, like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's probably referenced at some point in yeah. Rule of Wolves.
0: <laughs> yeah. so how many books um, are there between this book and Rule of Wolves? One there's king of scars and then rule of wolves king of scars so could we skip king of king of scars and just do an episode on rule of wolves <laughs> <laughs> that way we can get answers to all of these these things no that no positing. because there's a
1: lot of stuff that happens in king of scars that sets up for rule of wolves and i wouldn't want to shortchange sarah and being able to talk about nikolai as much as her heart desires
2: Oh, man, the three seconds we got of him in this book. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot that I love this character. Now <laughs> I remember. Like, if he had been in it even slightly more, he would have been my favorite over Wylan, even though he literally appeared for, like, two pages, uh, two pages worth of text.
1: Which character is I this? Like, oh, I love he- him. <laughs> Nikolai? Oh. You haven't met Nikolai in the show. He hasn't come up yet. He ends up being the king of Ravka um, because the king and Has queen. Has he been casted? I don't think so sorry eventually at one point the darkling manages to take over the kingdom and the king and queen go into hiding and then they defeat the darkling and he becomes king although it's questionable whether or not he he is his mother's child but it's questionable whether the king is his father because he doesn't look like him um and he while he is not at court he is a privateer named stormhound stormhound um and Everyone. so he, he he's a pirate <laughs> he's a pirate prince <laughs> he is a pirate,
2: pirate privateer man privateer
1: he's a pirate um who has airships so uh yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that part and he's sassy and is adorable and I love his love story but we can't get into that yet because I oh, was in The King of Scars and Rule of Wolves that Sarah hasn't read yet, so I don't want to give that away to her. As much as I will not confirm or deny Nina's sexuality because <laughs> she has not read that yet. So, yeah. I'm probably
2: going to be so disappointed when they cast Nikolai in the show, even though I'm not going to watch the show. I'll still see gifts of it, and I'll be like, "Oh, good lord, why that, why that I, actor?"
1: I don't know. The casting has been pretty solid so far. Why I've seen gifts.
2: Do... I disagree.
1: Wait, what what casting do you disagree on? Well, casting
2: based explicitly on appearance, because again, I've not watched any part of the show. I uh, I don't like Matthias again because of the whole cleft chin thing he's got going on. I can't look at his face.
1: He looks Norwegian <laughs> look though. This. Like he looks Scandinavian Norwegian. Well, then I
2: guess I just have a problem with that kind of appearance.
1: <laughs> Who he doesn't else? have Who? blonde hair though. Yeah he doesn't think yeah he does he does in the It's in like the show. a dark
2: blondish color? Not at all what I would picture. At least isn't it? I don't know, in the gifts I've seen his hair looks the same color as Nina's, which is like a dark brown. Also no, Nina's sh- like no, he's I don't have her.
1: <laughs> is
0: he? What's
1: the actor's
2: name?
0: Just a second. You I guess I could just look curing. up in yeah, Murphy's in oh, my lap now.
1: His name is Callan, Colin. Oh god, he's so ugly. Skogman. Why is it just drawings
2: of him? Come on. I <laughs> need less fan art and more actual human.
1: He's got like a maybe dirty just, blonde. Yeah,
2: it's like barely lighter than Nina's hair in some of these pictures, but maybe they also have like a blue filter or something. They do have a blue the,
1: filter on them, yeah. Because um, yeah, he has so got that
2: could affect it.
1: He's got like blonde he hair. Just what does other- not
2: look like the blonde Norwegian type. Caz looks like he's thirty in the pictures I've seen of him. I don't think his actor is, but he looks much too old.
1: I mean, all of them um, look much too old. They, that's yeah, just but Caz looks like
2: again, he looks like he's thirty.
1: Freddie Carter. Let's see here. Freddie Carter is twenty-eight. Oh, all well.
2: right.
1: <laughs> he's an English actor. Um, I love how I'm googling it, and people go, people also ask, is Freddie carter single? <laughs> okay, i gotta know what other ones do you have problems with the the casting that's that's two out of um uh for Inej,
2: i like inesh's casting I Oh, think good at least the uh, like images i've seen of her again, yeah, she's very good. I have no idea what she sounds like or her acting, but oh, her's sc- like, okay, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what i'd picture um jesper isn't bad but it's not just not how i pictured the character at all um he tall? also looks slightly older
1: what i mean he's tall he's 26 <laughs> he's tall yeah, and biracial I mean, that's pretty much what we get in the descriptions of the book is that jesper is well, tall he also and biracial. So,
2: i mean i don't expect the characters to have the same eye colors uh as their characters in the book as the actors um i know he's supposed to have silver eyes in the book and obviously you wouldn't want to put silver contacts on the actor because that would just look really bad but i don't know there's just something when they wear
0: those yeah they wear those contacts they can't actually see and so they they're acting against uh, yeah
1: uh, yeah Yeah. so okay who else let's see Uh, you're judging more of the cast let's let's hear who else do you not like i don't know that i've actually seen any others um what about the darkling
2: Oh, the Darkling's hot, of course, because it's Ben Barnes. <laughs> he's extremely attractive. He's—I feel like he's too old. Because doesn't the Darkling supposed to look like a teenager, no, even though no, he's like a super old character?
1: It's ambiguous. I mean, Ben Barnes is thirty-nine, but it's—I would say it's ambiguous in the books—is that he's not supposed to be like a teenager, oh. but.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember, so it was like, I don't know that I imagined Darkling looking like a full-grown but, adult, even though, but, like, isn't he, like, a hundred years old or something? Or oh, mul- yeah,
1: multiple hundreds of years old. But to be fair, when, like, way back in the day when Lee Bardugo was, like, coming up with her theoretical fan casting for this, it was Ben Barnes. It was always Ben Barnes. It was always going to be Ben Barnes. <laughs> oh,
2: that's fantastic. <laughs> that, that
1: was her Sorry, fan like casting. He- it, was, it was always going to be Ben Barnes, so... As long as she could get him. (laughs) I don't, let's see here. I don't, yeah, I don't think they've cast Nikolai yet. So if you could have anyone cast as Nikolai, who? Don't ask
2: me. I don't know.
1: Let's see here. Let me, let me see if I can find some fan castings then.
2: She's like, I don't know of any actors that would be young enough to what?
1: She's gone again. Okay, let's see.
2: Lantsov. I also don't remember exactly what he's supposed to look like in the books.
1: So so the first one that comes up, oh, Lordy, let me see if I can find his name. Because I just know that Sarah would not be down for this. So you remember... I'm excited. Okay, so, okay, this has a couple of different options. The first one, this is not the one I was going to reference. This is just the first one that comes up on this list is Tom Holland. Oh, God. (laughs) Why? He's like...
2: He's too soft. He's too soft. No, he's not soft. <laughs> and he looks too young. And he's, he's like 20-something, but he looks too young. He looks like he's 13 all the time. You
0: you, you clearly haven't seen his latest movies. Um, he's, he's working very not. hard on growing up, his Im- image. Okay, so so Sarah's not down for that one. The
1: next one I know you will be, like, if this were to happen, you would just... Bleh, bleh. Austin Butler. <laughs> Austin Butler, who played Will in up, is- in the Shannara Chronicles. No.
2: no, 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 no.
1: This is a fan casting. Fan casting. Just, just, yeah, just fan no, casting.
2: No, <laughs> no, he's twenty nine, and he, he's he's in the right age range.
1: Weird face and so unattractive. You would die. And he would die. So then the third the third option that this one has right now is uh, KJ Appa plays Archie in Riverdale. God no. <laughs> uh, let's see here.
2: Well, I mean he's slightly more attractive than the other dude.
0: This person that I found was Froy Gutierrez. I don't know that. He was Ooh. in Teen Wolf.
2: Wait, wait, wait. I've seen Teen Wolf.
0: Yeah. Sorry. He plays Nolan Holloway. Who did he play? Nolan Holloway.
1: Oh, yeah. He was bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You guys have very different tastes than people. It's kind of do. We do.
2: I don't remember this character, but.
1: He was in like.
2: He's a douchey face.
1: Oh my God,
0: Sarah.
2: My apologies to Nolan (laughs)
1: Holloway.
0: <laughs> not to Nolan Holloway to Freud. His name is Freud Gutierrez. <laughs> oh wait, Freud is his actual human Froy, name? Okay. His, <laughs> his, actual his human name is Freud. Freud. Froy. Freud Gutierrez III. Freud Froy Gutierrez. Froyland. Actually, when he's not
2: like uh no, some of these pictures I still want to.
0: Well, that's the thing. When you're looking at pictures, they're they're modeling. So it's, you know, it's kind of like the the blue yep. steel
2: thing. it's a model face that just is like oh gosh yeah <laughs> gotta punch
0: that face uh, so basically
1: then, we can surmise that, that there aren't too many options that sarah will accept for uh for nikolai it's
2: hard because he's like a blonde character with like green or blue eyes and you know i just it's not my type man it's the opposite <laughs> it's the opposite of
1: your type <laughs> uh, i'm i i it will be i can't wait to tell you who they cast i might have to save it until like we're doing a podcast be like by the way to come back to this topic sarah this is the fan ca- oh this is the casting um but i think they're still waiting to get renewed for a second season i don't think it's been announced yet
2: so i'll probably see it on tumblr anyway before ugh,
1: spoil my fun Okay. It's not on purpose. (laughs) So on that note, because we are no longer really discussing Crooked Kingdom. So to bring us back around, what would you rate Crooked Kingdom?
2: Uh, I gave it a four. I mean, I was kind of torn between like a high three or a four, but it was much better than Six of Crows. um, Partly because you don't get mired in introducing all the characters and, and all that business Um, but it is still kind of a mess again storylines that don't necessarily need to happen deaths that definitely didn't need to happen but did anyway um so yeah four more enjoyable far from perfect
1: i think i think i probably am at the same with you i gave it a four to be generous but it really would be like a 3.75 if i could like half um quarter those those stars because i'm not sure that was quite a four star for me i did and i remember this the first time around reading it i you get to about the third heist in the book and i like i get to that point and i get frustrated because if you give us too much detail on a heist then you learn how to predict how the heist is going to go so then it's not surprising but then sometimes you just don't get enough detail that then when they pull out the you know, the shock factor, it's like, okay, but you really didn't set that up. So I just feel like I've been kept in the dark this entire time. And I think when we get to about the indentured mm-hmm. servant scene, um, I'm like, okay. Yeah. We've gotten to the point where you've really learned how to do those. I just apologize. Kinda, it's okay. Um, bless you. Thank you but you know you get to a certain point and in between the two books it's essentially two three four five heists in two books sorry you know we we have five five hardcore crimes in two books and that's a lot to cover in two books and you're either like giving too much detail or not enough detail um, and I'm not quite sure which one this suffers from because I got to about the last one and I was like, I'd like to finish now. Doesn't help that I just got oh. on my shot. <laughs> and so I've been tired the last couple of days. And so reading that last like 150 pages, I just I enjoyed it, but I just eh. Eh. so but I love the characters and it's I like, love the world. Wrap it up, guys. Yeah. Yeah. But I but again, I love the characters of the world. The characters in the world building is very interesting and I think it kind of saves it in the long run. Um because there isn't a character that I'm like, please get rid of this character. Except for maybe Koi Wei. Yeah, but they weren't really like characters, they were just elements
0: to the story. And I do I I too- question. Yes. Okay, I've been kind of sitting on this 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 entire time and didn't really want to delve into it, but I'm going to anyway. When you have multiple heists in a good heist story, typically the heists are all leading to a single conclusion. They all relate to each other, build off of each other. You heist one and then Mm -hmm. you have to heist two in order to resolve one. But then you have to heist three in order to resolve two in order to resolve one. Does that happen in this, or are these just individual heists and that's it? No, they build because in the first okay.
1: book we have they have to get Matthias out. They get Matthias out so that they can then go to the ice court to get Koiway out. Then we get. What does? Let me getting, let me okay. finish. Okay. okay. In the process, Anesh gets kidnapped. So then we have heist three is getting Anesh back. We do that. Heist four is can't remember what heist four is. Isn't it the failed sugar heist? Oh, yeah. Then they, the four is to try and get their money that they were supposed to get from heist two. So they attempt to corrupt the sugar, but that fails. So then we have heist five where they need to get Koiway. Off of Ketterdam and get their money, so then they do heist five in order to both get their money and get the Grisha and get Kuwe out of Ketterdam, so that the he isn't taken to make more Parim. So five builds off of the initial cause to they build. They do okay, build. Okay, cool. Because that um,
0: that's the only way it works if you're going to do a high story with I... multiple heists. Do you really just does it...
2: build? that directly though like directly enough because there's long breaks in between each heist so i i don't know Uh, i feel like maybe they flow a little better in this book the three but there's still a lot going on that's i don't even know how to describe it um but like getting Matthias out of the jail in the first one that is a heist but it doesn't really seem like a heist to me it's just like this checklist of something to do and then to go on to the ice court so those ones seem pretty separate to me even though plot wise they do need him theoretically so I don't know it it didn't flow as smoothly as like I would expect if I was watching like a heist movie where it kind of seamlessly goes from one to the other
1: the only one that I think could have been pulled that if, if you pulled it, it neither adds nor takes away is the sugar.
2: Oh, God, yes, because then you could get rid of Yasha.
1: Yeah, but, like, the sugar, the only other aspect of that that I can think of off the top of my head is that Nina understands her powers more because she actually summons the dead. Um, but that could have been done elsewhere or not have her fully summoning the dead. Um so that's the only one that I could imagine like taking away and the structure of all of the rest stays the same. I feel like any of the other ones, you pull them away and a key like plot point is missing. So obviously if they...
0: Right, but that's the only one they failed at, right? Yes. Okay, well, that's the reason why you have to have it. <laughs> except- if, if they succeed 100% of the time, then it's unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, except...
1: Sorry it was yeah except they didn't fail because at the same time Kaz was planting things and it it's weird it it, at times there is so much going on in these stories that there are these minor moments that lend to the whole heist you know you when you watch like say a heist movie and they do like one little like simple swapping of like a type of pen and you don't notice it the first time around and they come back and they go, and by the way, when they swapped the pen, it was actually with this ink and this ink caused this to happen, which matched this. You know, it feels like a lot of times with this book, a lot of those moments are that, where you're told it and then you come back and it's this big moment that, like the best example of that is when Wyland and Kaz break into... Jan Van X safe, and it seems like they fail because they didn't Mm. get a seal that they needed. And in reality, Kaz left behind a forged will that made Wyland heir to Jan's fortune after Jan cut him out of the will. But we don't have any clue beyond the fact that at one point Kaz says, a really good thief doesn't just take things, they leave things behind. And then we get to the very end and it's, oh yeah, by the way, I left that there. So now you're the heir to the fortune. And when you have five heists all leading to that kind of situation, it just, it drags a little bit. Um, Particularly when you're doing that with six point of views. That, that's a lot, that's a lot to balance. And so, yeah, I got to the end of this and I was I was a bit... Even reading it the second time around, I was a bit bogged down by all of those details and I was I was ready to be done. So it was a 3.54 for me. I love the characters enough and the world enough that it's a four. I'm definitely glad that King of Scars and Rule of Wolves was not heist. Um it was much more political intrigue than heist, and political intrigue is a little bit oh, easier. Yeah.
2: What? Sorry. I was thinking of another actress that I didn't like the casting on.
1: (laughs) Who? Zoya. Why? Because like in the books,
2: she's supposed to be like this really pretty character. And then I saw a picture of the actress or whatever. And I mean, it's not necessarily the actress. It's just they gave her these ugly bangs. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay.
1: I thought the actress was stunning. I mean, she might be pretty,
2: but I couldn't see past the bangs.
1: (laughs) Now I'm looking her up. (laughs) She's the one that Mal flirts with in the tent. I don't remember.
2: Do we know what that actress's name is?
1: Um, I'm getting there. Anya Salatora? Is that Anya with a Y or a J? A-N-Y-A.
2: And the last name is uh,
1: Choltra. Oh no, sorry, that might have been wrong. No, it's sorry, it's what? um, it's sorry, that was the wrong name. It's Sajaya Sujaya uh, Dasgupta.
2: Can I apologize?
1: By <laughs> first it's name is S-U. Sujaya.
2: Okay, here we go yeah it already off
0: i'm sorry she's very pretty she's beautiful i mean the bangs are, are quite large but
2: pretty but i guess i just don't imagine zoya with bangs so like when i see <laughs> pictures of her from the show it's like
1: okay you're so funny yeah. now i need what what are your what are your opinions on the casting for uh Jenya and david then
2: I haven't seen David at all.
1: No one ever puts oh my pictures God. of him on Tumblr. <laughs> just a second. Uh he I has do think like, I saw the one cutest Virginia. moment. Okay, so here is
2: Jenny seems believable. A little weird looking, but
1: David. The the actor at David. A fake. Oh, And I don't know how to capture this, like, at one point in the show, it's so cute because he's trying to get someone's attention and he just keeps holding his finger up. And finally the Darkling goes, yes, David. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) like, it was the most perfect David moment ever. He was like, I I have something to say, but I will not interrupt.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't really remember David from the books.
1: Um, David was such an adorable character in the books, because he's a a fabricator.
2: Well, the thing is, I don't remember
1: much from Shadow and
2: Bone, because it was a boring trilogy. He's also in
1: King of Scars and Rule of Wolves, so if you would just come to my house so you could get Rule of Wolves, then he would know. Because I can't give you spoilers.
2: All I remember from King of Scars is airships and being vaguely disappointed by their introduction.
1: Um wow. rule of yeah, no, these will heart and out. solid
2: casting choices. Okay. Why? Because there's a bunch of airships.
1: I will say nothing because we are recording. <laughs> <laughs> um I'll just say you need to come get the book. <laughs> I need you to come get the book. Yeah
2: I Once, Yeah, when Nikolai showed up, I was like, oh man, I got to read World of Wolves because I miss this
1: character. You do, you do. Um, It's prime Nikolai material. So, yeah. Plus, you got to get your birthday gift.
0: mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you already said, oh, go ahead. No? Okay. So you already said, Wyland's your favorite character. I think for me, I think Jasper. I love Jasper. He he is adorable. I think that's my favorite character. And do you have any books that you recommend? Uh yeah,
2: kind of because when I was reading this, um yeah, uh but nothing really specific, just the Throne of Glass series because of the way that she was trying to juggle perspectives. Mm-hmm. And everything. I was like, when I was reading this book, I was like, this really feels like a Throne of Glass like novel. So I was like, oh. So then I guess the other ones would be similar to this. Also, you get a lovely blonde assassin who is at least slightly less annoying than Danyasha, but honestly, uh,
1: not the greatest. Um, yeah, I don't have I don't have any <laughs> recommendations other than to keep reading. But yeah, that was like... the only
2: thing I could think of that was similar
1: yeah yeah and then king of scars and rule of wolves but i can't think of anything else either i'm like trying to think maybe if you like like complex world building and nah, that no because this is for teens and that is not for teens so if you want a non-teen version of this then from blood and ash but very not teen not teen at all If you are not a teen don't read from blood and ash that is uh,
2: if you are not a teen don't read from no, Blood no no sorry
1: if you are a teen don't read from blood and ash <laughs> i mean you can but like with parents so just permission. children and adults just children and
2: adults can read it
1: <laughs> it's a much more adult book but it does have much more complex world building like um here in the greece reverse uh, maybe not as much diversity but world building and then I think if I can think of a book with this much diversity in it. I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I did just read a book and it's not, it's not like an alternate universe kind of thing like this. It's um, a futuristic book, but it's called blood like magic. And so if you want kind of a focused perspective from a, um, non-white voice then i would recommend that that one's about uh witches in canada in the black community and then they interact with with some asian people there's some trans people there is a a, one of the main one of the main characters is from mexico and is a trans character who's sponsored by a canadian um yeah that would be my other recommendation, I guess. That's That doesn't come out yet, though. Well, it'll come out by the time this episode comes out, because it comes out June 15th. But yeah, I think that's it for my recommendations. So on that note, if I can find what I'm looking for. On that note, next time we are going to be reading Red, White, and Royal Blue. So that'll be our next read. And then after that, we will be doing the Hail Mary project. Yay. Is- Those are the next two, two episodes coming up and our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Book pile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter.